Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Curtis Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I am Joe, and with me, uh, about 4,000 miles to the left, is Tom. What up, buddy? Oh, you get intro music and I don't? This is bullshit. <laughs> it's, it's Tom time. I got control of the soundboard. It's a Tom episode. This, is what, this goes out to the Tom heads. It's all good. This goes out to every Tom except one. You know who you are. Yeah, you know who you are. I just hope every Tom listening takes that personally because I don't, I don't know any <laughs> other ones other than you. I mean, to be fair, two of my cousins who are both a year younger than me are called Tom. Both their fathers are called Tom, and my grandfather's called Tom. So I know too many Toms. Are you are you junior, senior, or first, second, third, fourth, or whatever? Uh, third. Ah. Uh-huh. If you were British and inbred, you'd be a king of some kind. And the best part is, is that my initials also spell my name. So it's like Thomas O'Mahony, T-O-M. It's Tom's all the way down. <laughs> yeah, Tom, layers of Tom. Like this is a audio medium, so nobody listening can hear can see what I'm seeing right now. But Tom is smoking a vape pen, which is clasped in the arms of a adjustable wrench. Yeah, see, like the problem I have when I'm in the studio, I'm fine. I'm recording from home today, so if you hear the sounds of a bin collection going on, uh, it, it's bin day in uh, my area of London. But I always need something to fidget with when I'm sitting at home, so I have a. Uh, I have my vape, and then I saw that I had a spanner on the table, and I was like, I wonder if I could tighten the spanner around the vape, and now I'm just, like, holding it like a roach clip. <laughs> the old vape wrench. And I, I think it's funny mm. that you called that a spanner. Um, this is a well, schism. called. This is a schism on the podcast that we'll simply never be able to heal. <laughs> the spanner wrench schism. <laughs> yeah. The spanner wrench <laughs> civil war of uh, 2023. Yeah. Oh, no, fucking... So I got my shin absolutely blasted yesterday with a tattoo and the previous week uh, I had been to a, a stacked bill hardcore uh, tour package on Thursday night. If I remember correctly, uh, this is specifically the one you were gonna, you said you're going to stay out of the pit. Yeah. And that didn't did la- you? No. Uh, it was so bad that... Um, so like it was fine. I had a couple of drinks. I was going hard, and then uh, like the next day, I was really sore. The next day, like my hips were really sore as well. I had like a bruise on my face. All this shit. I swear, working and- with Nate and I has made you age faster. <laughs> but uh, went to go take a shower, and uh, my girlfriend was like, "What the fuck is wrong with your back?" And I'm like, "What?" And then I looked in the mirror. It's just like a massive bruise on my back where someone kicked me. Every time you go to a punk show or a hardcore show, it's like every like early 20s woo-woo sorority girl wondering where all the bruises came from after a night out. Yep. But like it's so funny because a lot of people who are into hardcore and like especially like people who 
who are maybe around my age or older who've been into it for a good while um there's like a schism going on because like hardcore is kind of blown up on tiktok and like a lot of people have come into the scene through tiktok and like a handful of bands getting really popular and all like all these kids you know they're at the show and i'm like yeah you like i was talking to like a couple of people at the gig like i didn't know any of them just you know you start chatting and like a couple of them were talking about that and i was like yeah well i didn't see you in the pit and they were in the pit so like you know who oh you're like too you're too old and your bones hurt and i'm like how about you get over it and get in the pit Every time you get into a pit and get your ass kicked, like me and Nate wake up the next morning and our backs hurt, like psychically. <laughs> Where else can you punch a 21-year-old in the face legally? I mean, I, until you added legally, I was going to say any bar in the world, but, you know. Yeah. Alas. Well, see, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to do a hard pivot on this show into being involved in celebrity boxing. So Joe is going to train to box. It's going to be me versus Nate. We're going to do like white collar boxing. We're going to do chess boxing. Do you know what chess boxing oh, is? Yes, I do. Um, yeah. I, I vote for doing X arm. Are you familiar What's with that? that? Okay. No. Okay. So um, X arm was this very stupid MMA. I guess it's MMA um, production put on by one of the original owners of UFC after he got bought out by a, a Zufa Entertainment. And okay. what it is, you're both chained to a table. <laughs> Um, yes and you have to arm wrestle while simultaneously punching each other in the face oh, it's no the, that, it's that the is incredible dumbest sport ever conceived by man because every person there immediately realized why am i gonna waste my time arm wrestling if i can just punch this guy in the face so every yeah. single x-arm competition which i believe there was only a few ends with dudes being taped together and just raining single arm blows into each other's grill um, it is, it's almost as dumb as when Dana White started that slap fight competition, which of course he promoted by beating his wife. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, on camera. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm watching, I'm watching X farm videos right now. Um, sorry, there's a Neurofen ad before it, uh, feels very targeted, but yeah, it's like, you know, the way the Russians have like tried to make these different versions of, you know, okay you're in a phone box and you have to fight or like like russian slap fighting is like really really popular yeah that's what he was trying to rip off when he came up with the the slap fight thing the only cool russian sport that is so goddamn russian is like the the night mma where they're in full Mm. suit of armor and just giving each other irreparable fucking brain damage Oh, I'm watching XR. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, there's a dude he's just pulling him forward and hitting him inside the head. If you want to watch the same video, you need to type in, this might be the dumbest, most entertaining sport of all time. That's right. X-Arm Championship. Like Now, speaking of dumb sports, not a good segue. Uh, wait, let, let me try again. Speaking of idiots giving each other brain damage, um, that's just about us as as all all, Wait, all Mick, of the hosts. Did Mick Foley compete in this? No fucking way Mick Foley competed in that. There's a dude who's like that looks suspicious. Well, it's Mick Foley. No, he's just this boxing coach. He looks like Mick Foley. No, Does I he mean, have two ears? It just it just a, a disheveled drunken man who would compete in something like that all kind of look like Mick Foley. <laughs> I mean, look, before we can we talk about just how insanely bitter Mick Foley is? I love Mick Foley. He's aw- he's like one of the few guys that come out of like early '90s wrestling and not have a sex crime charge levied against him. Yeah, but like no, it's, someone's it's, gonna write it and correct me on that. I'm gonna fucking hate it. 
Um, but like it's it's so interesting. Like he is he's one of the few people who like came out of that era and like talks very honestly about yeah, he like, wrote several books was, like, while he was still competing. Um, yeah. yeah, there was um, I can't remember what the first one is called, but then he wrote the second one's like Foley is good because at the time there was a, a crowd chant that said Foley is God. Uh, and he was kind of uncomfortable with that um but yeah Yeah, he he spoke very frankly about the catastrophic injuries he was facing um Mm -hmm. like when he fell off the cell when the rock handcuffed him and gave him like 12 unprotected headshots with a chair um which was more than they originally discussed because Mm -hmm. because uh the rock is a fucking asshole yeah, like I, I get intense oh, in bad fr- vibes, and it was in front of Mick Foley's entire family. Yeah, yeah. I, I have always got intensely bad vibes off the Rock. Yeah, I mean, great entertainer, garbage person that was, you know, uh, buoyed by strong family connections with Vince McMahon and and like mm-hmm. his dad, who was also a massive dick for other reasons. I'm not going to go into. But like, yeah, all around bad guy. Um, makes terrible movies these days. So he's got that going for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What we what we should do is this Halloween do a combined uh, Halloween costume between me, you, and Nate, where we each go as either Mankind, Cactus Jack, or just Mick Foley. I feel like I can pull off Mick Foley better than either of you. <laughs> <laughs> can we cut off part of your ear? Uh, I mean, I. I believe it's not like it. you use them. Uh, I can't be- hear anyway. I believe in method acting, so I'll have no choice. Um, okay. And if the Patreon gets to, uh, I don't know, let's say 6,000 supporters, I will throw Tom off of a hell in the cell. I mean, <laughs> look at I will let's do absolutely it. murder Tom for 6,000 supporters. <laughs> if we, and also, since this is going out on the free feed and. Um, on we have recorded an incredible episode about the time uh the time Muammar Gaddafi tried to sell a SAM missile to a Chicago street gang. And in that episode, uh which is Patreon exclusive, sign up to Patreon, um, I found out that there is a plethora of Muammar Gaddafi fanfic. I, uh, the less that, the less we visit that, the better. <laughs> uh, and that's just on AO3. So if we get to five thousand five hundred I will read the Muammar Gaddafi, Joseph Stalin, and Leon Trotsky love triangle fanfic, and we will critique it on the show on the Patreon. I'm going to throw myself off hell in the cell. Uh, now, Tom, I have to ask you a question. What if a shitty customs officer contributed to the downfall of an empire? I mean, that would just happen if they tried to stop me bringing like 800 cigarettes into the UK, but... <laughs> Yeah, that that's either Tom entering the UK with an with an Albanian grandfather's amount of nicotine, or Frontex. I'm not entirely sure which one. <laughs> but uh, uh, the short answer is no. I don't know what would happen. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Battle of Adrianople in 378. But of course, before we get there, because we haven't taken long enough to get there already, we have to talk about the background as to why such a dumb, catastrophic event even took place. So, of course, this brings us to the Huns. Um, now, I'm not going to go into the Huns a whole lot here. We don't think we've ever, ever actually talked about the Huns on the show before. That'll change at some point. Forgive me. So they're a nomadic people with various possible origin stories. 
And uh, to make a long story short, they're vaguely considered Eurasian in nature. They first appeared to Roman they're sources. just like you. <laughs> That's right. I even have a horse in my living room um, just to complete the look. Um, they first appeared to Roman sources around 370, and they crossed the Volga River, rapidly moving westward, crashing into the various tribes that made up Europe at the time. And to make... A- Things a lot simpler rather than going into all the details of the various different tribes. They're vaguely considered goths and make all the jokes you want about that. What happens What happens if horsemen invaded a hot topic? <laughs> horsemen just like listening to uh, or what's the fucking ah oh, fuck I listen to like merciful not merciful fate fuck there's Gerard Sisters of Mercy. Gerard of Way Mercy. just catches this fucking spear to the chest, defending the the guy liner section. Section. Yeah. See, our uh, our polls when you mentioned goth are completely different. You're thinking of like 2006, whereas I'm thinking of like 1986. No, I'm thinking of uh, the, the commercial goths uh, who were. Uh. I don't want to know if I'm not sure if I'd consider them more or less depressed than 80s goths. I'm not that old. I don't know. The fragmented Gothic tribes didn't have a lot of options when it came to fighting them. And I, I'm sorry, I just keep thinking of all the various Gothic tribes we could think of here. You got like the the mid 2000s Goths, the 80s Goths, the emos are trying to sign like a peace accord in the middle. Um, <laughs> you have the like 90s like industrial Goths that are listening to like Fear Factory and Machine Head, Nine and Inch Nails, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all of them being invaded by dudes on horseback. Um, the submission to the Huns was, in general, a pretty bad time. Hundreds of thousands of Gothic people, rather than bend the knee to the Huns, began a mass migration towards the Danube River, seeking the protection under the loving embrace of the Eastern Roman Empire. Now, as weird as that sounds, Rome, and then later its fragmented imperial self, was actually kind of good at absorbing and integrated outsiders into Roman society. Land, food, and other things would be given in order to resettle them within the borders of Rome specifically the frontier borders of Rome. Of course, there was a good reason for this on the part of Rome rather than some kind of benevolent love for immigration. Rather, these so-called barbarian newcomers would be resettled in the border regions and allowed to live their lives. In doing so, they they act as a kind of buffer between Rome and any possible outside threat because they'd have to plow through all the Germans who had moved in. Um, so, you know, and and the people that moved in would benefit from Roman trade and protection and not have to worry about, you know, people like the Huns over the generation. There was a cultural exchange as well. Goths and other people became heavily Romanized, which of course the Romans wanted and the Romans absorbed them into the military and society, though this absorption and assimilation kind of sort of started to fail as the empire fractured in half. Goths kept their identity and became important parts of the Roman military hierarchy, and this system became the backbone of the continued survival of the empires as time went on. Now, I'm going to say this up front. There's a very, very racist theory in the so-called fall of Rome called the barbarization of Rome, which is very, oh, very barbarians soon. are at the wall. Yes, yes, well, yes. The, the idea is that so many of these barbarians moved in, so you know, quote unquote barbarians, that it diluted Roman society. Um, and like, so it became so full of outsiders that Rome inevitably would collapse under this failed assimilation. That is not only untrue, it's a gross oversimplification of the failure of something as large as the Roman empire. I'm not going to go super far into it. It's just a really popular theory. 
Um, and unfortunately, it's popular even by people who don't recognize how insanely racist it is and how it's championed by the worst people on earth for very, very specific reasons. I was going to say, I'm sure people with a marble statue profile pictures on Twitter love this theory. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, to be fair, it's it's like that uh, that tweet that I sent you earlier on that was like, oh, I love the uh, Christianity destroyed the West variant of fascism. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a very dumb thing overall, and you can find the worst people on earth propagating this myth in one way or another, and it ignores the generations-long decline of the Roman Empire and then empires, as well as imperial mismanagement, corruption, plagues, economic collapse, all these things that happen because... Old cities catching on fire. It does tend to happen. Yeah, it's it's Mm -hmm. very stupid. Now, various Roman emperors never had much of a problem with the system as they knew it worked for them and kept them in power, as well as kept things about as peaceful as they would ever be on the Roman frontier. Though things began to change as the Huns drove more and more people towards the borders of Rome. By the summer of 376, hundreds of thousands of Goths appeared on the Danube. Um, I don't know. Think of a music festival. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going to a Rock'em Ring. We're going to see, you know, um, we're going to see Pentagram. It's like see... you know, early 2000s Warp Tour, 90, 99% emo bands, uh, stealing goth aesthetic. You know, but all on the border of the Danube. Um, 99% of them don't know how to talk to a woman over the age of 18. <laughs> I mean, listen to the lyrics. Of course they don't. Um, Roman Imperial border off officials were taken aback by the massive number of people. No, there, There's never been this many people that have shown up at once being like, yo, let us in. However, mm-hmm. one person wasn't shocked or like the, the originally the the imperial border officials were like get the fuck out of here we don't know what to do with all you people mm-hmm. one person that wasn't shocked by all this or taken aback or rejecting it was eastern roman emperor valens he had come into power a little more than a decade before valens was at least at this stage of the eastern empire a decent emperor but people did not fucking like him he was short fat bow-legged and hated his own subjects he was vindictive and paranoid and he would be the namesake of a song, say, or de- well, millennium later, when they asked us, like, who kills liberty? Balance? I will have to take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone will get that joke. If you get that joke, tweet at the show. Whenever you and Nate start talking about music, I just have to lean back in my chair because you guys are pretty much talking in a foreign language to me. (laughs) Now, Valens wasn't actually in Constantinople at the time. Rather, he was out with his army far away in Roman Armenia, fighting another war against the Parthians when word finally got to him about the hundreds of thousands of refugees at his gate. One of the leaders of the Gothic migration, Fritigern, made his way to Valens and pled his people's case. He told Valens that, in exchange for protection, land, and food, his men would offer military services to Rome, and Fritigern, to further underline his, you know, loyalty, if you want to call it that, to Valens specifically, he converted to Valens' particular brand of Christianity, Arianism. No, not that kind of Arianism. Um, now, this kind of Arianism holds the idea that Jesus, the son of God, was not a man, but rather a timeless metaphysical being that always existed and always will, you know? Okay, so I have some very interesting thoughts on this because I have been reading 14th century Gnostic Christian monk theology for the past, like, two weeks. 
I'm not going to ask weeks. why, but please go on. <laughs> it's just, do you know what? Honestly, there's a dude on TikTok who reviews books, and I watch his videos, and he reviewed this uh, collection of writing called um, uh, The Cloud of Unknowing. Um, it's written by an anonymous Christian monk in like the 14th century. Goes against the idea of the physical personification of Christ uh, or physical personification of God and essentially works with the uh, uh, the idea of this school of thought called the via negativa, which means that like God exists outside of how we can perceive God as either a being, but also as an idea. Sure. I mean, like I'm not, <laughs> uh, I'm not super well read about theology um, and Ar- Arianism was not the majority, uh, not the majority belief of Christianity within Rome at the time. Mm. A lot of people believe it to be uh, like heresy. Um, yeah. And I believe the next emperor Theodosius would, uh, would make it officially heresy for a while. <laughs> uh, so like the idea that, um, that Fritigern would, uh, convert to Valens's particular brand of Christianity impressed him because Valens is an idiot. Uh, and he immediately agreed to send word back to Rome that not only to let in all of these people, but to feed, house, and clothe them, as well as to use the Roman navy to help taxi them across the Danube River. Because it was, you know, it's summer. It's uh, you know, spring has just sprung. the The river is is bursting with water. It's a dangerous crossing to make. Yeah, and it's hard to swim in jinkos and like all that leather. <laughs> All, all of the chains attached to their pants are really weighing them down. It's just that video of the cyber goths dancing under the bridge, except they're trying to swim across a river. <laughs> Someone's going to make that video, and it's it's grim. Um, now, obviously, it's the you know, 378 or whatever. Um, it takes a long time for word to get from Eurasia back across the Balkans into the Danube. Danube. So mm-hmm. months had passed. And by the time Fritigern had shown back up, like, good news, everybody. All of the Goths had already eaten the food that they brought with them, and they were starving to death on the on the other uh, bank of the Danube, as well as the Huns had continued their advance. So panic mm-hmm. began to spread like, fuck, we're going to get caught against this river or the, you know, the Huns. We have no fucking food. So soon... People began to slap together rafts out of whatever they had, as well as simply saying fuck it and trying to like Michael Phelps their way across the Danube. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of these boats fell apart, people drowned, and by the time the Roman Navy actually showed up, the river was a tra- traffic jam of homemade rafts and dead bodies. Starving and worried about being murdered by the Huns, nobody could blame them for not waiting for the Romans, which at this point, I will say it was not the Romans' fault. The Roman navy wasn't exactly prepared for this kind of thing, let alone the sheer number of people they are tasked with helping. And I should point out, this is the last time I'm going to give the Romans a benefit of the doubt during this episode. Oh, God. Or ever, for that matter. Um, despite Valen's best intentions, the people he put in charge of this operation being ended up being just about the worst people on Earth for the job. Now, that was Lupinicus, the local governor, and Maximus, the commander of the local troops stationed on the frontier. Given orders to supply the Goths while a settlement was prepared for them in Thrace, they decided to exploit the Gothic people so fucking hard it would lead to a war. 
Now, at this point, the Goths were starving. Rather than simply giving them food, which is what Emperor Valens told them to do, they instead demanded the Goths trade for the food being offered, giving them already rotten food in exchange for the worldly possessions that they had carried on their back. Now, it did not take long to burn through anything the Romans considered of worth. Then they began to demand one slave for one pound of bread. Now, that sounds pretty grim, and it is, but the Goths also kept slaves. So at first, this is kind of a lateral transfer of slaves. Ah, uh, okay. Until the slaves ran out. Oh, no. What rem- do you do when the slaves run out? Welp, bad news. So one pound of bread for one human being, and there's hundreds of thousands of people out there, means they purposefully were still starving them. So mm-hmm. when the slaves ran out, the Romans offered them dogs to eat in exchange for their own fucking children. I mean, you can't eat your own children. You could. I mean, but most people were pretty offended at the idea that they were going to trade dogs for food um, mm-hmm. in exchange. It's a, it's, a do- it's a dog for it's a child for dog food program. Yeah. Uh, it's something the that the UN is- will quickly put into place somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if they're doing it in Libya already. Yeah. Um, So, you know, rather than submit their own children to Roman slavery in exchange for some shitty dog meat, uh, they had finally had enough. Fritiger knew these guys were fucking with them, having spoken personally with Emperor Valens and questioned, why the fuck were you doing this to us? You know, Mm -hmm. so finally, they simply broke out of the camp that the officials had set up for them. Now, this is not a rebellion. This is not a revolt. They didn't kill anybody on the way out. They simply, I mean, they, they just so vastly outnumbered the Romans, but yeah. I'm like, we're fucking leaving. And they marched south to Marcianople. Now, Lupinicus and Maximus couldn't do anything to stop this massive number of people. And they couldn't exactly send out word for reinforcements either, because they'd have to admit, we kind of told the emperor to go fuck himself and try to steal these people's kids. Yeah, we were just get we got a bit greedy, you know, like it got a little bit out of hand. Terry, you know, Terry from like that, you know, battalion. He was like, well, why don't we trade their kids? We got all these dogs here. Also, it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder how many dogs the Romans have on standby for this. I mean, look at, you know, dog, it's a solid currency. Everyone wants dogs, you know, at a pinch, you could eat a dog. I personally wouldn't eat a dog, but I mean, back then people had no qualms about that for sure. But like. They couldn't have had it. At this point, they'd already been rat-fucking them for bread and slaves, Mm -hmm. and then they were going to try to steal their own kids in exchange for scraps of dog meat. That's that's a low even for Romans. Like, I remember when I was growing up, uh, my mother would make these, like, meatballs and mashed potatoes, uh, except the meatballs came out of a tin and looked like dog food. And uh, I remember, uh, like... In my like family WhatsApp group, my brother put a picture in uh, just in the supermarket. Like the tin, the design of the tin hadn't changed at all. <laughs> it's still the same tins. Yeah, just so, working uh, through like, the back catalog. And I, I am tempted to actually like buy a tin of it and like eat it now as an adult and see if they are as like okay as I remember. You absolutely should, and have like you realize like wow, these are terrible. Um, if you if you want to uh, force me and Joe to eat horrible food, uh, <laughs> send us MREs. You're gonna you're gonna DHL me a can of meatballs from a fucking supermarket. Um, our like poor person food that was almost certainly dog food is called hamburger helper. 
Oh um, yeah. Yeah, it was so fucking bad, but man. It, but isn't so I had this conversation with Nate in the studio a while ago. I thought hamburger helper was like the actual meat. It's just the seasoning. It's just meat it, meat. Yeah, it's it's like the food, like the ground meat that falls off the bottom of whatever it is that they send to prisons that says like not for human consumption. And then they put a seasoning packet and noodles with the expectation you're almost certainly going to cover it in government cheese to cover up the taste, which is exactly what we did. Um, I mean, like that doesn't sound too bad. It wasn't good. Um, I'm, I think it's the reason now that whenever I see, I mean, whenever I go back to, I've never seen a box of shit anywhere else other than the United States, but whenever I go back to the U S and I see it on a store shelf, I like speed up my walking uh, to get away from it like it's like the hand is gonna reach out and pull me back in hamburger helper induced ptsd that's right add it to the other kinds of induced ptsd um so after the uh the the goths broke out of containment um the uh, lupinicus and maximus came up with a plan that blew up in their faces so goddamn hard it would contribute to the fall of rome itself as the Goths moved south, the Romans invited the Gothic leadership to a feast at the governor's palace. The idea was to get them drunk, full, and swimming in hookers until they were so tired they could easily be murdered. In order to calm the Gothic leadership down from what was very obviously a plot against their lives, they didn't disarm them and even allowed them to bring bodyguards as they came into the palace. Now, this plan probably would have worked, but the entire thing was ruined by angry Roman civilians. You see... Hundreds of thousands of goths had been hanging around the town for weeks, which Eddie, Eddie, smoking cigarettes, <laughs> listening to corn, you know, everything smells like patchouli and cloves. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, now, they were living off the land and by living off the land, it means stealing from local farms. And when, you know, this obviously pissed off local civilians who were living a life of subsistence farming. And so when they mm-hmm. saw the Goths in town, in this case, Fritigern's bodyguards, they rioted. And it, what, ter- what started in, like curses and throwing stones quickly escalated to them going back home and getting farm implements to use as weapons and attack them. Now, see, they, they, we know what side the Romans are on in the, the Cure versus Morrissey beef. <laughs> you can assure Lupinicus and Maximus are fully on the side of Morrissey in the situation and <laughs> you, future have you, Morrissey. Have you ever uh, seen that quote? Like, so Robert Smith from The Cure notoriously fucking hates Morrissey and just thinks he's a massive bitch. I mean, and he's like, not wrong. Like, you know, but uh, Robert Smith obviously is like a goth in his 60s, like has like weird hair, still wears makeup and everything. But there's an incredible quote from Robert Smith about one time he ran into Morrissey at a party and he like went up and like, you know, very friendly punched him in the arm and uh, Morrissey started to cry. (laughs) Do you think he accidentally gave him a vaccine? (laughs) Now, (laughs) now the, the, the Gothic leadership inside the palace heard what was going on inside as did the Romans. So like the Romans panicked and sprung their trap early before everybody was adequately drunk and tired from weird Roman group sex. So a battle broke out inside as well as outside. Fritigern decided, I have to get the fuck away from here. We're all going to die. Stole a horse and rode off into the sunset. At this point, all hell was breaking loose and the massive population of Goths parked outside fully knew that the Romans had once again rat fucked them. 
This was the final straw, and now it was time for them to resort to the old ultraviolets. They killed the Romans posted to keep watch over them, looted their weapon stores, and made for the countryside, pillaging and burning everything and everyone in their way. Lupinicus, trying one last thing to end this rebellion before he had to tell his boss how badly he fucked up, sent what little forces he had out to fight them, which are almost entirely wiped out, though Lupinicus himself, of course, managed to escape, uh, leaving everybody else to their fate. Now, as they destroyed the one frontier army in the area, this left you know, the Roman Balkans wide open for looting, burning, and killing, um, which, you know, I, 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 so for everyone listening at home, I know something bad is really bad is about to happen because it, Joe always looks fucking directly into the camera and not at the script. <laughs> I have, I have to give you the script eyes. Um, <laughs> and most importantly, they're freeing slaves that were captured by the Romans, many of whom were Goths themselves, and they then joined their cause. Then several mm-hmm. Roman army units also made up of Goths said, fuck the Romans and joined their people. Now, Valens had finally gotten word what was happening and deployed some of his armies back towards a growing problem under the command of Trajan and Profuturus, which sounds like a sick rap name, and began asking the Western Roman emperor Gratian, who was his nephew, for help. Now, Gratian, yeah, we got a large we got a large nephew involved. Gratian was like, I believe, in his like twenty years old, uh, and he did send help. However, he sent the worst troops he had because he was dealing with his own shit. And as soon as those worst troops were sent out, they immediately said, "You know what sucks? Being in the military." And then they deserted. He's just like a he's just like a twenty year old like Roman frat bro. Bro, he's like, so dude, like I love to send troops to you, but like Amber is being like such a bitch. <laughs> And what's what's kind of ironic is compared to Valens, Gratian is remembered much more fondly. Um, yeah. And, you know, Trajan uh, was at least mostly competent at his job and figured, you know, it's easier than actually fighting people, letting nature do the job for us. So mm-hmm. he wanted to block the Goths in the Balkan mountains and wait for, you know, the environment to take its course, you know, starving, mm-hmm. bad weather, things like that. However, the Goths simply went around him. Meanwhile, the Goths knew that the Roman war plans were coming for them and uh, decided to wait. They built what was called a carago, or a field fort made from wagons. Um, then they, oh, what, what was on the wagons, Joe? What was on the wagons, Joe? Manifests. Uh, time for manifests. Slaves and stolen Roman goods, probably. Uh, and they sent out a call throughout the countryside for any non-Romans to come and help them. Soon the ranks swelled with thousands of more warriors and the Roman army, numbering about 12,000, found them. Now, we don't know exactly how many Goths there were, but it's safe to assume they outnumbered the Romans at least two to one. Then something weird happened. The two sides marched towards one another and a pretty uniform shield wall movement. Uh, This is because, like we had already pointed out, the Goths had become an integral part of the Roman army. They used the same tactics. However, the cultural exchange was probably not what you thought it would be. These are not the Roman legions that people picture when they think of Rome in films and video games. The short sword, the segmented armor, the large rectangle shields, the pilium throwing sphere, those all vanished a long goddamn time ago. Instead, they adopted Germanic weapons and armor on foot while absorbing cavalry traditions from Persians, Parthians, and Armenians. This is for a lot of different reasons, but probably not the, a deeper one than this is a much cheaper army to field. 
those early armies had pensions, salaries, and most importantly, the state was expected to issue out all of that equipment, which was expensive and hard to make. So after several upheavals, plagues, and military setbacks, the Roman tax base had shrank quite a bit to the point that funding those professional armies with sick pensions and all that just wasn't realistic anymore. And not to mention, over time, the privileges that you were afforded for being an, a Roman legionnaire began to fade. Um, so there wasn't people that you know were like, oh, I'm going to go join the Roman army, get a plot of land, a sick pension, uh, and ride out my time growing wine or whatever. Um, those days were long past. Yeah. You're going to die in the dirt. Yep. They relied a lot on conscription, which is never a good sign for a functioning state security apparatus. So anyway, right before the two sides are about to slam into one another, they stopped about a few meters away and then began screaming war cries at one another for a few minutes. Ironically, the war cry that the Romans were screaming was Germanic in origin because there's so <laughs> many Goths in the ranks. They're just doing like a Yemeni's Agutha. Like a... <laughs> they're they're, they're going to stop and do the Hakka war dance in the middle. Um, and then finally, the Romans charged. Pretty much nothing came from this. The two armies slammed into one another around dawn, fight, fought each other until dusk, and pulled back with neither side winning. Then the Romans tried to break the Gothic wagon forts, failed, and marched away, having accomplished pretty much nothing. Valens fired Trajan and replaced him with a guy named Sebastian, who you can best envision in your head as, as a large crab. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, everything becomes crab. <laughs> Sebastian was actually pretty good at his job, at least compared to Trajan, and he managed to march around the Goths, splitting them in half and trapping a portion of them in the Balkan Mountains, like Trajan originally intended, where they began to go hungry. Fritigern then decided he would dip into a little bit of the universal fuck that guy theory that we love so much on this show. He sent messengers over to the Huns and told them, hey, if you come over here and help us, we can both get really goddamn rich off Roman loot. So they agreed. They stormed in, broke the Roman army around the Balkan mountains, and soon they all united once again, free to go looting and burning across the countryside as Roman forces, now badly outnumbered, decided to pull their forces back towards towns and cities to protect them and leave everything else to be put to the sword. Just like a dude posting on uh, this equivalent of like their IG doing like a money spread with loads of Roman gold. Except it's all ones. <laughs> They're still wearing a Visu jeans, though. <laughs> By 378, Valens finally made his way back home as his military commanders told him the only way to deal with the Goths was a joint Eastern and Western military effort. When Valens got back, he was greeted with riots as people blamed him for not only everything that was happening, but also failing to protect and defend them. Constantinople was going so crazy with riots that he had to move to a city 12 miles away just to be sure someone wouldn't try to assassinate him. At this point, Valens, already an angry and paranoid man, was getting more and more pissed off, especially because he'd have to once again ask his nephew Gratian for help. In the meantime, he reformed his army and gave everybody a sweet raise to stave off any of that descent from the capital, making it into the ranks. Then he deployed a distraction force to hit Gothic allied raiding parties and hit and run attacks to try to, like, because he didn't have the means to meet them in open battle quite yet, and he figured this is a way to try to check them the best they could. Now, this actually worked over the course of the next several months, and a lot of these raiding parties actually did get wiped out. 
and it was just long enough for Gratian to finally come sailing down the Danube with his army. A real one, not made out of scrubs this time. Valens marched with his army to meet Gratian at the city of Adrianople. While this is happening, Fritigern saw the writing on the wall. These two Roman armies were about to join forces and bring the hammer down on him. So he consolidated his forces, which had broken off into different raiding parties, because despite him generally being the leader, the Gothic force was made up of dozens of different tribes, and they really didn't have any unifying anything between them other than the Romans are coming to stab us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people went off to do their own thing, and he managed to get them all back under the control and took over uh, a town about 16 miles away from Adrianople, which would lay in position between Valens and Gratian if they both got to Adrianople and then wanted to go back to Constantinople, which is where their supplies would come from. So they're like, oh God, they're going to cut us off. Valens got to Adrianople first, and while he was waiting for his nephew to show up, he got word that the that the Goths had uh, ran into Gratian's force and delayed him. Then he heard the Goths had moved in just south of him, believing him to be cut off from Constantinople. Valens freaked mm-hmm. out about the concept of like a siege uh, forming at Adrianople, despite the fact that the Goths had no siege engines, uh, which is why they've been leaving the cities alone. And the generals around him told him that he needed to strike fast and now. Uh, oh, and don't worry, our scouts say the Goths only have about 10,000 men, which was accurate, and about half the size of the Roman army. Then some weird shit happened. An Arian priest, again, not that kind of Arian, <laughs> insisted. Not talking about the Vril or the Bovril man. Insisted that he was an official emissary sent from Fritigern and arrived at Valens' office. He told the emperor that Fritigern would lay down his weapons if the Romans reinstituted the original deal that led to this whole thing. You know, give us land in Thrace, food, whatever, we'll give you military service, we'll forget any of this happened. He brought another warning. Many of the Gothic warriors saw laying their weapons down without doing anything as shameful, but they still wanted to avoid a battle. So a show of force, you know, just bringing the Roman army to within eyesight would be enough to state their honor demands, and uh, they would then drop their weapons and go along with the plan. Mm -hmm. This is perfect for Valens. Gratian was unlike him in every way. His people liked him. He was popular. He was known for a series of military successes. Valens had none of that. And the last thing he wanted to do is share the glory of the Gothic surrender with his young nephew. So, with the priest's word as an assurance, he led his army out of Adrianople on August 9th, 378, without telling Gratian what he was doing whatsoever. Ah, uh, for fuck's sake, you just had a date. <laughs> also, we- we have no idea who this priest was. Um, like <laughs> it was Rob Halford. It, it, there's a very good chance that it was a trap uh, sent mm-hmm. by Fritigern, but we honestly don't know. Ooh, I am totally on your side. You have to trust me. I'm wearing these fancy robes. Don't trust the mechanicum. <laughs> the Romans took a single road and a long winding column in the middle of a brutally hot day and they found several of the Goths' signature wagon forts. At this point, the Roman army had been marching for miles and hours, going thirsty as the temperature reached nearly 100 degrees, and soldiers became exhausted simply by existing in layers of chain mail. And remember, they didn't... Valens wasn't expecting a battle, so he brought nothing with him. <laughs> like, you guys don't need water. We were just going to go, they're going to surrender, and all this is going to be over. Problem solved. Yeah. 
Now, as soon as he saw the wagon forts, he ordered his army to get in a battle formation, totally ignoring the surrounding hills, which, of course, the Goths said, hey, what the fuck, there's Romans there, and quickly set up on top of. He also forgot to send out any kind of scouting party to check out the area around him. That turned out to be a pretty massive oversight because about 5,000 Gothic horsemen had just taken their horses out to forage before the Roman army had shown up. As the Romans formed up for battle, Fritiger needed to buy time as well as because he wanted the hungry, hungry horsemen to come back. So he set the surrounding brush on fire as the wind changed direction to point towards the Romans, blowing in you know, clouds of hot smoke directly towards soldiers who are on the verge of heat stroke already and desperately thirsty. (laughs) And at this point, uh, it all comes down to water. It all comes down to water. Almost like logistics are important. Don't make me tap the fucking sign. Um, (laughs) Also, don't don't trust strange men in robes that you don't know. Uh, Exactly. And at this point, Vale still applies. Good advice. That still applies. Uh, Yes. Um, And you know, Valens at this point was kind of starting to figure out, like, I don't think these guys are going to surrender. Um, he also set diplomats across the line to talk to Valens, not to accomplish anything, but to buy time. Now, Fritigern wanted those horsemen to show up, and Valens needed more time because his army was so fucking tired and now choking on smoke that they were moving into battle formation incredibly slowly and was worried that the Goths might launch an attack before they were done. There's just one dude who's like chain smoking throughout the whole march and he's like I don't know what what are y'all complaining about? It's totally fine. My lungs always uh, feel like this. Yep. And that that those are the local levies from the Balkans. <laughs> I'll that, have to cut that as well. <laughs> then Fridigern managed to stretch out the negotiations more and more while the Romans continued to sit in a cloud of wildfire smoke under the burning sun. Then someone within the Roman ranks had enough. The Roman cavalry on his left flank charged the Gothic line on their own without any fucking orders at all. As soon as they took off, they charged directly into a rain of arrows, stones, and spears and were forced to retreat before they even made it to the Gothic lines. Other soldiers in the Roman line saw the cavalry running off and thought they had missed an order to go and support them. So they too were like, fuck it, I guess it's time to charge. Then others then others. Before Valens knew it, his entire army was acting completely on its own. (laughs) Soldiers met the exact same hail of arrows, spears, and stones, but they were wearing heavier armor than the cavalry was, and they had shields, so that protected them better. They were able to get to the foot of the Gothic positions on the hill, at which point the Goths charged down at the Romans as tens of thousands of men crashed into one another, wielding swords, axes, and clubs. Now, At this point, the Romans are probably quite shocked. They believe these guys to be, you know, stupid barbarians, which is, you know, dumb on its own. But they discover that the Goths are fighting much harder than they ever had been before. They're fighting like madmen. And it turns out they wouldn't find out why until after the battle was over. Because right behind them, in those wagon forts, were thousands upon thousands of Gothic civilians families, wives, children, I assume some of their favorite dogs or something. They knew what mm-hmm. would happen to their families at the hands of the Romans if they lost. Yeah. I mean, nobody is uh is surprised at the con I mean the same thing would have happened vice versa. War back then was fucking terrible just like it is now, but you know, if, if the Goths lost, all of their people would have been forced into slavery. That's how things yeah, yeah, yeah. went. 
um, and worse in some cases. Uh, in uh, you know, probably the Romans getting a whole lot of revenge for making them look stupid. And the Goths knew how to fight Romans. They would smash into their shield wall with massive clubs to open gaps and then hack away at the, the juicy insides with axes. Other men would slash at the legs of the enemy as the shields didn't go down that far to cover it. The Romans would do much of the same thing, hacking and slashing at the legs of the Goths under their shields, though countless Goths would get hacked down, you know, losing a leg or getting it turned into a Pez dispenser, and then start crawling around like the Black Knight from Monty Python and keep fighting. Or like uh, Chris Rock's character in You Don't Mess With the Zohan, where he's like, act to death. <laughs> the battle for a time was equal as the mass of men slaughtered one another from behind a shield wall. Though slowly a gap opened between the Roman left flank and the rest of their army, which is kind of what you would expect as they kind of ran in there on their own, unorganized. Now, mm-hmm. imagine if you will, you're a Roman soldier, busy slashing and hacking your way through Eastern Roman Empire's hottest mosh pit. Thousands of men are screaming, murdering one another. Wildfire smoke is covering everything and you can't breathe. And then you start to hear something in the distance. It sounds like rolling thunder. It's getting closer and closer. And then you look and through the smoke, you see thousands of horsemen appear on your left because the Gothic cavalry had finally returned from their lunch break. Union mandated lunch break. So they're like the, 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 the cavalry commander looking down at his watch like, all right, boys, it's 12 o'clock on the dot. We got to go back to work. <laughs> the two sides have been fighting for hours at this point. And remember, the Romans got into the fight already tired from the heat. The impact of the cavalry on the Roman left flank was pretty much the same as a sledgehammer against a pane of glass. It all happened so quickly that most of the Romans weren't stabbed or slashed by the cavalry, but simply ran over and trampled the death. Other Romans, seeing the situation was now completely and totally lost, tried to run. But, you know, a shield wall that functions correctly pretty much acts as a human crush. It traps everyone in place, and now they realize they can't go anywhere. They all just kept Mm -hmm. slamming into one another with no way out. I assume deploying their finest skank dance to try to clear a hole. (laughs) It's like uh, when uh, Sideshow Bob keeps walking on the rakes. But each rank is a each rank is another Roman soldier. <laughs> <laughs> then, <laughs> then more Gothic cavalry appeared on the right side of the Roman line, and what little order and discipline existed completely evaporated. Rather than running or trying to get some kind of control over his men, Valens ordered his reserves into battle. But when he turned and looked over his shoulder where the reserve should be standing, he saw that they were gone. They had seen the scene unfolding in front of them and fucked off so quickly that nobody had noticed them. They'd be the majority of people that would survive this battle. (laughs) Then Valens drew his sword and charged into battle with his palace guards at his side, just in time for the Gothic pincer attack to close in and completely encircle the Roman army, which wasn't much of an army anymore, but rather a gathering of confused, terrified people who happened to be in armor. And at that exact point, Gene Pitney crested the hill and took out his notebook about to write the man who shot Liberty Valens. <laughs> At this point, the commander of uh, like Fritigern stands on top of the hill and starts get, trying to get the pit to separate. Oh, uh, do a wall of death. Yeah, he's like, come on, guys, do it. Now, to be fair, go- Goths, they, they're less moshing. They're more so like dancing. Like, swing, swing, depressed swing. back and forth. Yeah. 
On top of everything else, the footsteps of thousands upon thousands of men and horses began throwing up a dust cloud that combined with the brush fire smoke because getting stabbed to death by angry Germans wasn't bad enough. The swirling miasma of shit was so thick that few Roman commanders who tried to control their men could even see them anymore. From this point on, it was every man for himself. This is probably like trying to take a shit at like Woodstock 99. <laughs> oh god with all the mud everywhere yeah like uh, those news videos of like people playing like jumping around in the mud while they didn't know it's just complete portaloo effluent the amount of people that left woodstock 98 or 99 whichever one it was had to have a level of dysentery that rivals only an 1800s army yeah, no, only rivals a Roman army <laughs> dying of shitting ass disease because you went to see corn. I cannot think of a more disgraceful way to catch like an old timey disease and like I wanted to go mosh with Limp Biscuit and instead all I got was exploding <laughs> colon disorder. You just your stomach rumbles and all you hear is the opening riff of Blind by Corn. It turned out the song Break Stuff was just about my insides. <laughs> now this somehow went on for five goddamn hours if only because manually stabbing twenty thousand men to death takes a lot of time and energy so you know mm. the goths taking water breaks doing line changes like it's the nhl to keep your men fresh you know like a coach mm. sitting by like all right sit in the third line you're not doing good enough hit the benches <laughs> You better show more initiative when you slaughter that terrified Roman. Now, somewhere in the middle of this, and nobody is sure when or where, Emperor Valens is killed via arrow to the face. <laughs> it's literally who sh the man who shot Liberty Valens. It was a goth from the grassy knoll. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just believe his head did that. His, he his head just gets the an arrow in it sometimes. Yeah. Trajan and Sebastian also die. The entire battle is finally over as the sun goes down. Nearly the entire Roman army is destroyed and only a few hundred men manage to escape the slaughter that turned the countryside into what I assume is what Henry Kissinger's basement looks like. I hope the lathe of heaven works on that one. Here, here's the praying, buddy. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, the few Roman survivors that managed to make it back to Adrianople were barred from entering because the panicked citizens thinking if they opened the gates, the goth would be the goths would storm in afterwards because they were using these men as a, as like bait for a trap. And that thus ends the Battle of Adrianople. And like people were worried about a siege, but still like the the goths knew better. They're like, mm -hmm. yeah, we can't do that. Um, yeah. So why is this catastrophic battle for the history and future of Rome considered this like the the small domino to big domino effect? And it's it's really not. That's also simplistic, but it does play an important role in history. Well, for starters, virtually the entire military and political structure of the Eastern Roman Empire had just ended in a storm of angry German swear words and swords to the face. And Gratian, hearing about all of this, didn't even bother to plot revenge or anything he just went home <laughs> exactly you know i'm done going home clocking out it's like know. when you're really drunk at a party and you're supposed to be there to like watch a friend but they're clearly like not listening like bro it's time to go home so you're falling asleep on the table bro it's time to go home and they're like no man I, i'm still good you're like i guess you're sleeping on the fucking table you get in the car and you go yeah. home yeah uh, gothic and allied tribes lay waste to the east for years but they still lack the ability to take large cities 
a new emperor was crowned, Theodosius, who eventually rebuilt the army, and he and the Goths came to a settlement. The exact goddamn agreement that started this whole thing in the first place. However, the defeat in the East marked what would become the continuous Germanic encroachment into Roman lands, and I don't mean by assimilation or immigration, I mean by conquest. They would never be fully pushed back, especially in the West, which combined with generations of imperial mismanagement, corruption, economic collapse, political instability, dumb fucking emperors, and countless other things contribute to the general failure of a state, eventually led to the fall of the Western Roman Empire and Rome itself, not even a hundred years after this battle. Mm -hmm. All because some customs guys wanted to be a fucking dick. See, and this is why I don't get stopped in the airport. They know what's good for them. And now I'm not saying if none of this took place that these things still would happen. All those other problems that we talked about still existed in Rome. However, when you include upon all of those things, you know, general instability, insecurity, and, and, and enemy invasion, you know, it's eventually things are going to collapse. Um, but mm-hmm. it certainly helped speed things along. And that is yeah. the Battle of Adrianople. Learn a lot, Joe. I learned that you don't mess around with Goths. Goths are, uh, you know, they're, they're people underestimate Goths. You know, they're 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 a peaceful people. They like to wear black and sit in their room, and listen to, you know, candle mass and stuff like that. These but, are the worst you know, kind of Goths, Germans. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> eh. Yeah, no. Now German goths are just into techno. Yeah, yeah. Because when I when I want to have a good time, I want to pack into a small smoke filled room full of people who think they can dance but can't, and listen to music that sounds like two fax machines fucking. I mean, that sounds like a good time to me. But like, <laughs> each to their own. Now, Tom, we do a thing on this show called Questions from the Legion. Today's question from the Legion comes from the Patreon. What is your favorite bit? From either of your podcasts, hmm. Do you know what? It's it's one. It's from a recent episode, or maybe an episode that's coming out, and it is a uh, annoying bisexual Phoebe Bridgers fan, Muammar Gaddafi. Yeah, that one is cursed. Um, <laughs> Don't give Gaddafi the ox. That one is cursed. Uh, I if I had to pick, because we have had a few over the years, and so many of them came from one series. Um, mm-hmm. Like most of our like most timeless bits on Earth came from the Soviet Afghan War series, which like makes sense because that was like our foundational series that really set us up mm-hmm. going forward. And I still think the best bit because for people who are unaware, we don't script jokes, we don't talk about yeah. bits or anything beforehand. The only thing I have script is the historical narrative. So any joke or bit is completely ad-libbed for better or worse take it for what it's worth um and i think the best one that we ever did because this is back when nick was a co-host um and he was unaware of what like a labor union was i mean when you're young never had a job before you joined the military why would you you know yeah so i explained it to him via the concept of the Jalalabad dick-sucking factory, <laughs> unionizing together to get better dick-sucking environments to work in. Um, and I didn't, for what I didn't know, that Nate would actually leave that in because it was so ridiculous. Um, and it has spawned into like our fans calling themselves the JDSU. Um, 
you know, we've had mer- JDSU merch and we will in the future. Um, and like when I went and spoke, I was invited to speak at um, UNC Chapel Hill, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And an assistant professor had assigned that series to his undergraduate students to listen to. And the first thing that dawned on me, like that is the dick, su- the, that is the dick sucking union series. There is an entire cadre of undergraduate students taking notes about the unionization of people who work <laughs> in a hypothetical dick sucking factory in the city of Jalalabad. Um, um, I'll, I'll, I do, I do also think just like shitting ass disease and just like dying of dysentery, or uh, no one took a solid shit before 1950. <laughs> um, and there's also like. The bit where we once had an episode that we couldn't release because we had <laughs> we had a we had a guest on and you know back a long time ago we used to drink while we recorded we would pregame mm-hmm. and then continue drinking while we recorded they drank a bit too much um, and vomited while we were recording and we could not re- directly on the floor of the recording studio um, back when we recorded in the same room uh, and I was like well we can't release that there is. That's just too much. Um, and we actually ended up having to re-record it, and I won't say which episode it was. <laughs> um, I know. Uh, but um, we've, had, we've had a lot. Um, I mean, it's been over five years. I'm sure I'm forgetting mm-hmm. some that... Uh, uh, fucking Nate recently with the Sir Christopher of Benoit bit during the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, combat of the 30 episode made me have to take a break. I had uh, to turn off my mic and walk away. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just, like, so many, because obviously, like, I listened to this show before I worked on it, and, like, it's just so many, like, incredible bits. Tom, thank you so much for joining me here today. You can use this slice of of pod to cast your uh, uh, plugs. (laughs) Uh, Listen to Beneath the Skin, the show about the history of everything told through the history of tattoos. Um, Someone actually asked me the other day, I was like, oh... I don't have tattoos and I don't really care about tattoos. Like, would I find this interesting? And I'm like, 100%. It's kind of like how this show is vaguely about military history, but is really talking about types of guys. Um, <laughs> we, like, we, yeah, we talk about, like, how different, like, par- like places and time and events and people intersect with tattooing and it affects history going forward. Um, yeah, uh, check it out. If you, my go-to is always... If you're on the fence and you're not really into tattoos, but you want to uh, check out the show, check out our History of Japan series. That's a really good, like, if you want to get into it and get a feel for it, our History of Japan series is the one for you. And thank you so much for listening to us here on Lines of My Donkeys podcast. I have no other podcast to to plug, but if you like what we do here, consider supporting us on Patreon. Um, You get episodes like this early, sometimes entire series. You get five plus years of bonus content, Discord access, uh, early pre-orders on future merchandise, all of the... Uh, plus, we're doing an audiobook for Hooligans of Kandahar. We have premium series like the History of Armenia and Sharp Show. You can get all of that for five bucks a month. Uh, you support the show. You let us keep doing what we're doing, expand whatever it is we think about doing next. Or, and petting you can leave us a review on wherever it is when you listen to podcasts that also helps us a lot um and uh until next time uh light wildfire smoke into the face of your enemies if you're in the pacific northwest don't do that it's a, it's a huge hazard <laughs>